0: Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. Hi there. As
1: always, my name is Chris. I am the teaching pastor here at the at the Earth, the Upper Room Fellowship. Uh, today we are going to continue in our From Here to There series. In this series, we are uh, looking at our journey as as a church, where we're going as a church. And today I want to talk about sharing life, community. And I'd like to ask, if you don't mind, uh, that right now you just take a look at the back of the head of the person in front of you real quick, if you will. This is kind of a picture of what happens in the church, right? Sometimes people go to church and just stare at nothing but the back of the head of the person in front of them. Week after week, month after month. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this message, that could be the back of the head of somebody who could change your life, right? It could be the back of the head of somebody who might stand with you through the great crises of life, might pray with you, or might open doors to possibilities that, that God would use you in amazing ways. You never know if all you ever do is look at the back of their head. So let's all turn around and uh, so the person behind you can see your face, okay? One, two, three, go. Good, good. like I said, we're in a series called From Here to There, and we're talking about this journey that our church is on. We're talking about kind of our three pillars of the church, knowing God, sharing life, and serving others, which we feel is the process of transformational living. So last week, we looked at knowing God, our relationship with God. Today, we're going to look at sharing life and being in authentic community with each other. So the big question today is, why does community matter for your life? And we're going to go through a bunch of points pretty quick, and I'm going to be honest with you. My goal today is If you aren't in community, I'm going to try to convince you to get in community. All right? That's that's what I'm doing. There's no pretense. That's what I'm trying to do today. Okay? Okay? All right. So here are the reasons community matters. Community matters because, number one, we were made for community. We were designed for it. We were created for it. The Lord God said it's not good for a man or for the human being to be alone. Dallas Willard says the natural condition for human life is reciprocal rootedness in one another. Just like a tree is rooted in the earth, and that's where it, gets its, where it gets nourished, human beings were created to be rooted in the hearts of other human beings. He says, the assurance that somebody else loves me, is for me, pays attention to me, watches over me, is the indispensable condition of a healthy, stable life. Our well-being depends on us. A guy by the name of Robert Putnam, uh, about a decade, a little over a decade ago, wrote the, the definitive study on community in our society. It's called Bowling Alone. Uh, and he cited research that the most isolated people are are 3 times more likely to die than relationally connected people. In fact, Putnam said that if you do nothing else, if right now you're not part of a small group, if you just join a small group, it cuts your odds of dying in this next year in half. That's why the motto for our small group ministry is join a group or die. That's that's our motto. It's a good motto. Another study looked at hundreds of people who were volunteered, uh, who volunteered to be infected by a virus that produces the common cold. Odd study to volunteer for, but a bunch of people did. Uh, it turns out that relationally isolated people are four times more likely to get sick than people in community. They are more susceptible. They have higher levels of virus. They produce significantly more mucus than connected people. I'm not making that up. Mucus, more, more community, less mucus, right? That's another great motto. Put, put that on a t-shirt. But but the reason you need community is not just physical, it's not just survival, it's not just tribal, it was never the plan of God at any point to create a person, to save a person. He has created and is saving a people. We were uh, made in the image of a Trinitarian God, and that God loves oneness so much, that, that God loves community so much, he wants everybody to be invited into it. So when the Bible speaks of our Christian walk, or or kind of progressive sanctification, or growth in Him, it never speaks of sanctification as an individual process. There is nowhere in the Scripture where, when it comes to sanctification and growth into the fullness of Christ, we're spoken to as individuals removed from the communal aspects of our faith. It's just not there. Christianity is is, is inescapably communal. In fact, everything God even does in the life of an individual is meant to pour back into the group. I'll show you some examples of what I mean. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4 says, Pray be, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our troubles. So that's a popular idea, right? We're troubled, we're overwhelmed, God comforts us. Now listen to why God comforts us. So that we, may, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us in our time of trouble, so that we can comfort others in their time of trouble with the comfort we receive. First Thessalonians four eighteen says, "Therefore encourage one another with these words." So in the book of Thessalonians, he's talking about um, he's talking about the dead in Christ will rise first. They were grieving a loss of, of loved ones, and he said that they don't grieve without as those without hope. And he says, "Encourage one another with these words." He's saying, I'm not just giving you these words so you guys in Thessalonica can huddle up and go, oh, this is our word. This is my word. It's not everybody else's. It's our thing. No, you, you spread that. That was given for you for the body. And then there's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. 1 First, First Thessalonians 5.14. It says, we urge you, brothers and sisters... Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. You hear how communal that is. If you're warning someone who is idle, someone whose faith is just like, yeah, whatever, and you try to engage them, how well does it work if you don't really know them? If you're like, hey man, what's your name? Fred? Okay, Fred. thing is, it seems like you don't know your Bible very well. I was sitting beside you and noticed you really didn't have anything underlined. You need to start reading your Bible. It's important to know the word, Fred. Is that going to work? If Fred's like most of us, you're about to get punched in the neck is what's going to happen, right? It doesn't work well at all. But it's a huge asset to have people who know you well enough to engage you at that level. That's number one. Number two, we grow in community. So Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, notice this, not mature individuals, but the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Growth requires community. When I'm by myself, I can deceive myself. Right? I can read love one another and think, well, I agree with that. I'm pro-love, I'm all for love, and I give myself credit. Then when I run into actual people, it gets scary, right? I was driving home just, just this last week, and I came to an intersection, and there was a guy there who was wanting to cross the street. And I was in my car at the stop sign, so I waved for him to cross the street, because I'm a pastor, and he might recognize me. I'm being humble and patient. But he didn't walk. He waved for me to cross. And I just thought, no, I'm following Jesus. Uh, First shall be last. I don't want to lose this jewel in my crown. You you go first. I'll go last. And he wouldn't go. He told me, you go. So after a couple times of doing this, I started to feel like he's trying to boss me around. (laughs) He's trying to tell me what to do. I'm not going to do what he's telling me what to do. You go first. Right? We just sat there waving at each other. (laughs) Nobody would move. I finally backed up and went a different way just so I wouldn't give him the satisfaction. <laughs> that part isn't true. I ended up just going. I took the low road. I humbled myself to serve this fellow a second time. Uh, I wasn't happy about it. But in isolation, I will give myself credit because of some hypothetical, hypothetical agreement I have with myself. It takes real people for me to see how much sin is in me and just what a knucklehead I am. And that knuckleheadedness is always there. It doesn't go away. It's in community that we see the truth about ourselves. It's in community that blind spots are pointed out. It's in community that we get loved and encouraged and taught and admonished with one another and cheered to keep going. We grow in community. There's this, there's this great misconception. I can grow just by myself and God, uh, you know, me and God all by ourselves. No, you can't. I can't. Neither can you. Like, let's do a test, okay? So there are Sundays when the sermons just kind of the sermon just kind of gets you right, and your heart is stirred up, and you're motivated, and you're like, "Yeah, I need that. I need to do that. I want that." So let's say on my best weekend, let's say I'm up here talking, and I'm just I start glowing, and Jesus like manifests behind me, okay, and he's just back there going, "Yep, you got to listen." hmm and, and like tongues of fire falling down, everything that's it's in you goes. Okay, I'm in. I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm going to get plugged in. I'm going to walk deeply. I'm going to chase real deep, sustaining relationship with God. How long does it last? Do you make it to Wednesday? You know, I test you. Some of you are like, great word last weekend. I'll be like, what was your favorite part? Uh, The thing about Jesus? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, you're safe there, I guess. See, I know how this works. Without the power of God flowing in this, without people in your life that can hold you accountable to a transformation, it's not going to happen. You can't motivate into it. So you're going to have to be serious about your own spiritual walk. You've got to put people in your life who encourage you. Otherwise it grows stale, it grows stagnant, it grows cold, it grows mechanical, and it becomes empty. The most common illustration given for what we are is a body. If you cut off the finger and throw it aside, it doesn't keep growing or moving or playing its part. It shrivels up and it dies. You cannot remove yourself. The more you isolate yourself from deep, authentic, real Christian community, the more damage do you do to your own joy. Number three, we find acceptance in community. Paul writes this to the church at Rome uh, in Romans 15.7. He says, accept one another... Then, just as Christ accepted you. This is a really serious command. You accept, you embrace, you be for anybody. But it actually gives us an ideal for this command. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you. So that means we have to ask the question How does Christ accept me? Does he ask you what race you are? Does he ask you whether you're rich or poor? Does he ask if you're smart or dumb? Does he ask whether you're male or female, or beautiful, or homely, or married, or single, or divorced? Whether you're charming or awkward? Whether you're athletic or uncoordinated? No. Every single human being on this planet matters to God, matters equally to God. Nobody more, nobody less. God hates division, God hates favoritism, God hates elitism. God hates it when we put clergy at the top and everybody else down below. God hates it when we put white at the top and minorities below. God hates it when we put rich at the top and poor below. God hates it when we put men at the top and women below. God hates it when we put beautiful at the top and unbeautiful below. You know, God hates it when we put when I put people who will look like me, dress like me, think like me, talk like me, my taste, my style, my preferences, my culture, my generation at the top and others below me. That is not the beauty of the church. That's, that's a strategy of hell. Jesus died to defeat it. And the church is a place where fellowship can push back darkness and reclaim the earth. Therefore, if you're old and you see some young, pierced, crazy-haired, cell phone-addicted kid running around, go love them. And if you're young and you see some white-haired, technology-impaired, old person shuffling around, go love them. If you're not sure whether you're young or old, you're old. Okay, Just so you know. Just clear that up. Christian community is defined by the cross. right? We're accepted in community. We all have a part to play. Number four, we serve in community. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.7. He says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So this is what Greg was talking about. What that means is that each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. This is is joyful servanthood. Have any of you been on an airplane recently? Was there a spirit of joyful servanthood on the plane? Sometimes there is. Sometimes not so much. Pat, Patrick Lindsay, who is a business writer and a, and a Christ follower, talked recently about being on a plane with, a, with crew members who just didn't want to be there. You just didn't want to serve, and everybody could feel it. Kind of bad attitudes and joyless faces. He said that at one point he asked for a glass of water, and their exact words were, well, that's going to take a while. Okay. So, now, so now, what was worse, Patrick said... Just before takeoff, there was this video where the CEO of this airline greeted the passengers and said, Service is the hallmark of our company. Really. He said the video was filled with smiling, happy crew members who couldn't wait to take care of the passengers. Patrick said the gap between the rhetoric of the video and the reality on the plane was just painful. He felt embarrassed for the crew members who were watching. Patrick said he would have preferred that the CEO do the, uh, do the video and just, just be honest. To say something like, ladies and gentlemen, he said, thank you for flying our airline. Though we say you have a choice, these days you probably don't, as we may be the only airline serving this route right now. I I know all too well the service you get when you fly with us is terribly inconsistent, if not downright unfriendly. Unfortunately, for a lot of reasons I can't get into here, it is difficult for us to get rid of surly flight attendants, and for that matter, reward the really good ones but I hope you're fortunate enough to have a really good one today. If not, I hope the overall experience isn't too unpleasant. Patrick said I would have stood up and applauded if he would have said that on the video. See, it's better to do servanthood without talking about it than to talk about servanthood without doing it. One of the ways we're going to measure how we're doing around serving others is how many folks have identified their spiritual gifts and are involved in building up the body of Jesus here. A bad thing can happen in churches, and I've seen it happen. Certain people can get called ministers. And those folks uh, in the church think that they're the ones who do all the ministry, and other people just watch the ministry. And it doesn't count unless it's done by a minister. It's called spectator Christianity. And it just, just isn't true. Community is always built on mutual servanthood. God's plan for the church is that be a com- it be a community of servants organized around spiritual gifts. There's never been an organizational principle as brilliant as that in the history of human thought. God's plan for the church was to give everybody who follows Jesus a spiritual gift by the Spirit, and that the church ought to be organized around those gifts. It's a great structure. No higher tier or lesser tier. Church ought to be shepherded shepherded by the people who have shepherding gifts, Helped by the people who have the gift of helps. Administrated by people who have the spiritual gift of administration. Led by people who have the spiritual gift of leadership. Cared for by the people who have the spiritual gift of mercy. Everybody is to discover and use their spiritual gifts. And this is not only needed for the church to flourish. If you have not discovered the joy of how God has gifted you by his spirit, and then you're using that in the spirit of servanthood your spiritual life and growth will stagnate stagnate, and not flourish. Uh, one more thing. God hates it when we create a community where professional ministers are up here and other people are down here. Or paid staff is up here and volunteers are down here. So one thing we'll never say is, I'm just a volunteer here. Right? We value volunteer service. As a matter of fact, the word volunteer comes from the Latin word uh, voluntas, which means will, freedom of the will to express action, freely embrace. It's used in the Vulgate, the Latin translation of the New Testament of Jesus. Jesus says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. In other words, I'm not coerced. I don't have to do this. I lay it down on my own Voluntarily. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to pick it back up again. Jesus is the ultimate volunteer. The crucifixion is the ultimate act of volunteerism. The Trinity is, from all eternity, a volunteer community. So we love that word. Number five, we heal in community. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. A healing community. This is where, as is always true, Christian community is about more than just bodies being in the same room. So, just because you go to a home group or just because you are connected, doesn't mean that you have any real deep Christian community. Going to fellowship group fellowship groups is the easy part. It really is. So, some some of you who have been connected, you need to take another step. Maybe now that you're connected, maybe you. You know, you open up a little bit more, you become a little bit more honest. Um, maybe that guy or that woman that you see and you kind of admire their faith from afar, maybe you invite them out for a cup of coffee this week and sit down and go, hey, can you, can you help me with this? This is something I'm struggling with. It requires vul- vulnerability. That takes courage. And this goes way deep into what it means to be a human. Genesis tells us the first human beings were naked. Uh, A wonderful thinker by the name of Andy Crouch observed that nakedness is a condition that only applies to human beings, right? I've never thought about this before, but he said, we never say, look at that naked cow or look at that naked pig. We never say something like that, right? Of course, sometimes people put clothes on their dogs, but that's just to make them look cute, right? To Give them a little personality. Look there, there's a pirate dog. Makes it look more human. Sometimes people put clothes on their cats, right? Jesus hates when people do that. It's a fact. But it's true about human beings. We can be naked. We are vulnerable. This goes back to Genesis. When we hide, we die. When we come into the light, we can be known. When we're known and loved, we can be healed. This is the way life in the spiritual realm works. But it takes courage. Every time I have to step into the light, it's embarrassing to me. Every time I have to confess, uh, it's kind of embarrassing But every time I'm healed a little bit more, I'm moving toward the light. And if we could be that kind of place with each other where there's no pretense and we're all moving toward the light, it would be a great place. Where are you hiding? Is it around money? Is it around sex? Is it around alcohol? Is it some habit? Is it something you've done in your past? Is it some attitude? Is it uh, judgmentalism or bitterness? Come into the light. We heal in community. A couple more. Number six, we die in community. Paul put it like this in Romans fourteen seven. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. You understand, if you know Jesus, you do not face death alone. He's with you. You'll be part of a community here on earth, and then when you die, you'll immediately be part of a community in eternity. And you'll never be alone. We don't die alone number 7 we are resurrected in community paul says in 1 corinthians 15:51 listen i tell you a mystery not all sleep but all will be changed i know some churches use this verse in the nursery as a guideline for baby care it's, it's a real dad joke it's stupid i know you don't have to laugh i know it's stupid It's not actually the point Paul is trying to make in this passage. He's not talking about the nursery, he's talking about the resurrection. We're going to be delivered from sin and death, and we're going to be set right. God is going to redeem everything. There'll be a new heaven and new earth. We don't know when, but it will happen to all God's people together the living and the dead. Well, not all sleep. Not all of us are going to die. We're all going to be changed. We're all going to be resurrected. Resurrection's coming, and when it comes, it comes for everybody. There will be no more strangers, no more enemies, no more bosses, no more outsiders, no more, no, only, only families, only friends. We're made for community. We grow in community. We get accepted in community. We serve in community. We heal in community. We die in community, we'll be resurrected into community. So, what's my hope here? Just a step. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you have been, been coming for a while. You sat out there, you like the preaching, maybe you like the music, but you haven't really connected. Well, maybe your, your step is to finally get connected. One way to get connected is through fellowship groups. Just a, just a step. If depth, joy, beauty, fullness, healing, knowledge of Christ are all at stake, then knowing the power of God through personal holiness serving our neighbors, and deep community are the three pieces necessary to grow into the fullness of that. Why would we not chase that with every bit of energy that we have? If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. That's part of how we're going to gauge how we're going from from here to there. If you're not serving, find out what your spiritual gift is and be a part of a team. Um, Maybe you should lead a little community. Maybe you can find some folks who are not connected and invite them to be a part of a little community where you can care for and love them. And I know that home groups are scary, right? I understand that. As you probably know, I'm an introvert. I'm a five for those who speak Enneagram, right? How many of you are introverts? They don't even want to raise their hand. Look at that. <laughs> you hate, Yeah, know, even your, raising your hand wasn't fun. I know you hear this message and you go... I don't like what you're talking about. I don't like you. right? You're hoping introvert heaven will look really different than extrovert heaven. Right? Extrovert heaven kind of sounds like introvert hell to you. How many of you are extroverts? Yeah, I think your hand's a little higher. Yeah, so excited to raise your hand. We need both. We need to understand both. Just because you're an introvert doesn't change the fact that you're called to share life with your church community. And if you're an extrovert, don't get disappointed or give up if someone doesn't always want to be with you. Right? They aren't rejecting you. Part of sharing life is understanding each other. Church was not designed to be a place where you look at the back of somebody's head. It was designed as a divine community. Okay. Uh, Bruce is going to close our time today. Bruce, welcome to for
0: Let's have our ministry team come forward. You know, we've got a great ministry team and they love to assist people into breakthroughs of all sorts. And um, so, any kind of need that you have, uh, even if you just want a blessing, uh, come up and receive prayer. So, after listening to this message, you know, I'm thankful that I get to come to a place where uh, I can be convicted (laughs) and the Holy Spirit can speak to my heart and draw me deeper. You know, uh, it seems like most weeks there's something that the Holy Spirit speaks to me about. Oh, a little nudge there. You know, you need more of that or less of this or something. And uh, so I hope you're in the same boat. And uh, I hope you're asking, you know, Lord, what are you speaking to my heart? How can I respond to this message? How can I give you more of me so that i can have more of you and it's a great exchange because we give a little bit of garbage and we get a whole lot of, of greatness in return and so i just pray that the lord would be speaking to your heart i pray that you would have the boldness and courage to respond to that uh, if that means coming forward i mean there's lots of things that can keep us from community uh could be wounds of the past uh could be you know somebody that should have been able to be trusted uh wasn't trustworthy or didn't have your back or whatever uh could have been somebody in your own family a parent or or somebody that close um could have been wounds from the church you know a lot of times the church wounds people and it's sad to say uh but it happens But there's this principle, you know, God asks us to do things, two things, to love God and to love people. And we cannot do the first one apart from the second one. And so we need to get healed up, whatever it takes, uh, to make that happen. And so if there needs to be things that need to be healed up, then then take care of it. It's not going to just go away on its own. You need to address that and, you know, confront that. And, you know, walk with Jesus in a new way. Renew your mind, whatever it takes. Uh, So come forward, prepare for that. So I'm just going to pray and close the service out. And we just invite you to come and to respond and uh, to give more to Jesus in that great exchange and receive more life. So, Lord, we give you our hearts anew and afresh Lord, even as we were compelled in the middle of service just to let go of any baggage or anything that might hinder us or trip us up, Lord, we, we just give you our yes in a new way, Lord. Lord, uh, where these, uh, where we've been wounded in the past, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd bring healing, that you would bring forgiveness, that you'd bring reconciliation, Lord, that you'd bring us into a new level of community, Lord. We pray that the level of community would be so great here that people would say, see how they love one another. And they would just be, in a sense, jealous for that kind of connection and that kind of community, uh, those kind of relationships, Lord God. Lord, that's what your word declares, Lord, that they will know we are yours because we love one another. And so, Lord, make that our mark here in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.